Politico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to Eco Report. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Later in the program, environmental correspondent Zero Rose looked into what it will mean for local residents that the city will no longer be sending out vacuum trucks to collect leaves raked to the curbside. And we have the answers from Michael Large, Special Projects Manager at the Department of Public Works. And now for your environmental reports. View one of Indiana's greatest wildlife spectacles at Jasper Pulaski Fish and Wildlife Area. Each fall, thousands of sandhill cranes visit the area's shallow marshes from mid-October through mid-December. Crane numbers peak in late November or early December. Sandhill cranes can be seen at the Fish and Wildlife Area from late September through December. The best time to view is sunrise from the Goose Pasture Viewing Area. DNR staff at Jasper Pulaski Fish and Wildlife Area make weekly crane counts during peak fall migration, October to December. The count is typically performed each Tuesday unless impeded by inclement weather. If unable to count on a Tuesday, the staff will try again on Thursday of that week. The counts generally end the last week of December. Many people are not convinced that we are in a mass extinction event that will see at least one million species go extinct. The same crowd is also not concerned with ending the burning of fossil fuels. An Associated Press story reports that President Joe Biden has vetoed Republican-sponsored bills intended to undo federal protections for two endangered species that have seen their populations plummet over the years, the lesser prairie chicken and northern long-eared bat. The two GOP measures would overturn science-based rulemaking that offers important protections for the once abundant species and would undermine the Endangered Species Act, Biden said. The lesser prairie chicken serves as an indicator for healthy grasslands and prairies, making the species an important measure of the overall health of America's grasslands, the White House wrote late Tuesday in a veto statement about the prairie bird. It's a member of the grouse family found in parts of the Midwest and Southwest, including the oil-rich Permian Basin in New Mexico and Texas. The bird's range also extends into parts of Colorado, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Environmentalists have long sought stronger federal protections for the prairie bird, which they consider severely at risk due to oil and gas development, livestock grazing and farming, along with roads and power lines. The crow-sized terrestrial birds are known for spring courtship rituals that include flamboyant dances by the males as they make a cacophony of clucking, cackling, and booming sounds. 
The long-eared bat is one of 12 bat types decimated by the white nose syndrome. The disease has spread across nearly 80% of the bat's historic range in the eastern and north-central United States and has caused estimated population declines of at least 97%. Bats are critical to healthy, functioning ecosystems and contribute at least $3 billion annually to the United States agriculture economy through pest control and pollination, Biden said in a separate veto statement. He said the GO bill, quote, would undermine America's proud wildlife conservation traditions and risk extinction of the species, end quote. Republicans say protections for the lesser chicken interfere with U.S. oil and gas production and jeopardize thousands of American jobs. In predictable Republican response, they say designation of the bird as an endangered species is an another attack on low-cost energy for the American taxpayers. Republicans and the logging industry also criticize the endangered listing for the long-eared bat contending it would hamper logging and other land uses that aren't responsible for the bat's sharp decline. The bat is found in 37 eastern and north-central states, plus Washington, D.C., and much of Canada. According to the New York Times, the battle over electric vehicles is central to the auto strike. Carmakers are anxious to keep costs down as they ramp up electric vehicle manufacturing while striking workers want to preserve jobs as the industry shifts to batteries. The strike has come as the traditional automakers invest billions to develop electric vehicles while still making most of their money from gasoline-driven cars. The negotiations will determine the balance of power between workers and management, possibly for years to come. That makes the strike as much a struggle for the industry's future as about um, as it is about wages, benefits, and working conditions. The established car makers, General Motors, Ford Motor, and Stellantis, which owns Chrysler, Jeep, and Ram, are trying to defend their profits and their place in the market in the face of stip- stiff competition from Tesla and foreign automakers. Some executives and analysts have characterized what is happening in the industry as the biggest technological transformation since Henry Ford's moving assembly line started up at the end of the 20th, at the beginning of the 20th century. The New York Times reports that buried in the permafrost at the northern edge of Greenland, scientists have discovered the oldest known fragments of DNA, offering an extraordinary look at an extraordinary ancient ecosystem. The genetic material dates back at least two million years. That's nearly twice as old as the mammoth DNA in Siberia that held a previous record. And the samples described on Wednesday in the journal Nature came from more than 135 different species. Together they show that a region just 600 miles from the North Pole was once covered by a forest of poplar and birch trees inhabited by mastodons. The forests were also home to caribou and arctic hares. And the warm coastal waters were filled with horseshoe crabs, a species that today cannot be found any farther north of Maine. Independent experts hailed the study as a major advance. An historic deal for the oceans has been reached. Following almost two decades of negotiations, nations agreed in March on a deal to protect the world's oceans. Commonly referred to as the High Seas Treaty, the agreement aims to protect biodiversity by establishing large-scale protected areas in line with last year's UN Biodiversity Agreement, 
which calls for protecting 30% of marine areas by 2030, and regulating damaging activities such as overfishing and deep sea mining. The high seas, two-thirds of the world's oceans, don't fall under national jurisdiction under national jurisdiction. So exploitation of their resources has so far been a free-for-all with dire consequences for marine life. Countries still need to formally adopt the treaty, and it will likely take several years for policies in support of its goals to be implemented. This story demonstrates how intelligent animals are. When confronted with recordings of human voices, 19 African species fled instantly, while they were less frightened by lion sounds and other potentially threatening recordings. And now we go to Zero Rose and his interview with Michael Large, operations manager at the city's Department of Public Works, on their decision to discontinue curbside vacuum leaf collection, the environmental and health considerations involved, cost savings for the taxpayers, free bags, discount compost bins, and volunteer programs designed to facilitate composting and assist residents who need help with their yard work this season. We have with us today, Michael Large, Special Projects and Operations Manager for the City of Bloomington Department of Public Works. And he's going to be filling us in about some of the environmental initiatives they have going on. Uh, thank you for being with us today, Michael. Thank you for the time and opportunity. And so uh, one of the things that is kind of time crucial right now, I guess, is the uh, change in leaf pickup. The uh, city's not doing the vacuuming at curbside that people are used to. And I'm sure there's still a lot of people that aren't aware of that. And I think there's a bit of a deadline on that over the course of the next month, right? That's correct. So uh, beginning in 2023, the city of Bloomington will not offer the curbside vacuum leaf collection. Um, through many years of uh, study and data, we've found that there's uh, a lot better way to go about this that creates a lot less of an environmental impact. Uh, this is part of our climate action program change here that we're trying to initiate this year. And in regards to uh, what we're really trying to establish is we, we still want the residents the opportunity to uh, get rid of the leaves that they choose not to mulch in place, which they choose not to compost in place on their own property. Um, with that being said, we are offering free leaf bags for pickup from any of the local fire stations for Bloomington residents. And those leaf bags will be picked up at no charge to them in the month of November. So they still have an opportunity to um, not only receive the leaf bags for free, but also have the leaves disposed of for free. So it, we're, we're trying to minimize the uh, the negative impact on this to residents as much as possible. And we've even gone a step further in that there's residents that don't have the ability uh, physically to rake the leaves and collect them themselves. We have the opportunity for them to reach out to us through our city website and uh, request volunteers and volunteers will actually come to your house with those leaf bags with the rakes and do the work for you. So uh, many different channels for uh, for residents to uh, touch base with us as well as us still collect the leaves at no cost to them. So do you have a good core of volunteers set up to do that or is that still is that kind of also just open to whoever in the no, public? So, I appreciate that question. So we uh, 
we do have a great uh, collaboration that we're working with a local organization called Civic Champs. Uh, Civic Champs has a division of their uh, organization that's called Helping Hands, and it's a it's a, a sub arm of their organization that can either you can either request help or you can also volunteer help. So this is something that is very collaborative, is still ongoing, and you are still able to either request or volunteer to be a, uh, a helper for this initiative. And is there a easy to remember website for that or anything? Yeah, so the easiest way, and you know, if you even got a pencil or pen right down in front of you, the easiest way to do that is just go to the city of Bloomington website, which is cityofbloomington.in.gov, and simply type in leaf collection into the search bar, and that will bring up all of this data that we're going to talk about today. Okay. And uh, I've heard some anecdotes about the situation with uh, ticks. I mean, th th there's some people that are saying that, you know, it's good to leave the leaves in the yard as habitat for various pollinators, you know, burrowing bees and, you know, solitary bees and things like that. But someone also mentioned that ticks can overwinter in those situations. And I, I think you guys have recommended the uh, mowing mowing the leaves into place and maybe that would be a little uh, yeah I mean, so, a bit so, with the urban deer situation that we have i don't know do you have any uh, anything about the urban deer situation that you guys address at all so um we do oversee animal control and care as well and you are correct we have seen quite a large number uh, in the population of urban deer that has over the years that is something that's still being discussed and uh determined uh, moving forward here, um, by all means, though, we are very aware of that. In regard to ticks, you are correct that by leaving the leaves on the ground, it kind of promote, promotes a, uh, a habitat for them to be able to survive those cold winter months, which is why we suggest the mow mulching. Uh, mow mulching is, is a great way to first alleviate the leaves, second, providing uh, nutrients for those trees and grass, and then finally uh, eliminating that cover for uh, ticks and any other uh, parasites, insects that would be uh, detrimental to uh, humans in the springtime. And uh, have, have you got any kind of a feedback? Is there a kind of a complaint swell about, oh, you're not vacuuming up my leaves uh, coming from residents? Do you guys got any kind of a system of feedback? And maybe that would be the point at which you would kind of educate people about these other options? Yeah, by all means. And uh, you know, first of all, we have U-Report. That is a method and a software system that the city utilizes that allows uh, residents to make complaints or make suggestions to processes and programs that we're putting into play or plan on putting into play. Um, myself, I am have been primary one of the leads in this program to really explain and educate uh, the population on just the benefits of mold mulching. I myself am a city of Bloomington resident. I have almost an acre of land. And I have not put leaves at the curbside for the past four years. Um, by not doing that, I've generated over 200 yards of uh, reusable compost that I place in my flower beds and gardens. And they have produced more flowers and more vegetables than I've had in the 10 years that I've been in the city. So, I mean, it, it's an amazing and excellent way to generate what we call uh, green gold for ourselves. Um, but beyond that, I think that once you explain to them, you know, what really goes into the vacuum leaking, whether it be the uh, the 6,000 gallons of diesel fuel that get burned during this process or the 
you know, $400,000 in labor hours that get utilized during this process, they really get to understand the big picture about just how futile this, uh, this whole program has been in the past. And is there any way that you guys can kind of track the metric, I guess, by subtracting from what you've been doing as far as toward climate goals? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we do keep track of that yard waste that the sanitation crews will be picking up. Um, we have a baseline based upon what they've collected in the past, and we will utilize that against what's being collected this year and moving forward. Great. And uh, so what else do you guys have? Uh, going on in anything else that's kind of fall related or, or seasonal yeah by all means so in, con in conjunction with this and in collaboration with the Monroe county solid waste district we uh on monday the 9th we'll start offering for sale uh composting bins to residents um, that's going to be at a discounted rate of 65 dollars for uh one of the larger uh three foot by three foot compost bins that they can then keep on uh site at their own properties um, that once again, that sale will come through uh, the city of Bloomington sanitation website. There'll be a link that will pop up there on Monday that residents can go to and uh, purchase those. Uh, they are looking for delivery in the second week of November. So right around the same time that we're collecting leaves from the curbside, you'll get your, your compost bin if you choose to pre-order one of those. Um, and just once again, just an ongoing educational initiative to ensure that the residents are up to speed on, on what our, our goals are here and, and the data that we've collected to get there. Yeah, I know there had been a uh, curbside uh, compost pickup operation that has recently shut down. Um, and I, so I suppose there kind of isn't any, do you know whether there's any any other kind of service like that that's still in existence? Yeah, so in fact, there is. And now we are we are actually in the process of working with uh, Bluestone Trees uh, out of Ellettsville. And we have, uh, and you're exactly right. So that was our uh, green space as well out there at Fable Farms to take our leaves to uh, during the last year's uh, vacuum leaf collection. But with the need for IDEM certification at those facilities, it's very tough and they're very few and far between uh, here in uh, Southern Indiana. But we are working closely with Bluestone as they come online with IDEM, and they will begin to uh, process uh, leaves for us that are currently being taken out the Ferguson Dog Park, Ferguson Dog Park uh, location as a laydown yard. So is, does that mean the uh, the bags that you guys are picking up that, that people are getting for free? That's correct. That's correct. So we have a space where all of those leaves are being stored at currently. And here in the next, uh, I would say, probably month, we will uh, be able to bring Bluestone online and, and really get a good partnership with them to start processing that material and turning it back into good compost and mulch. So is that any kind of a site that people could bring kitchen waste to or anything like that, like from restaurants? Yeah, so not currently. Uh, once again, it's because of that IDEM certification that's necessary. Um, we are working closely with Bluestone as as well as with the uh, the old vendors at uh, Fable Farms, I know that they still have uh, a small uh, dabble into the uh, the composting, uh, not to the extent that they were, but I know that they still are trying to do something there. But that is something that that we're very open to, and we're very receptive to uh, any ideas or you know, feedback from the community on that as well. Great. And so, anything else coming down the pike or already in motion? Um, this is, I said, the, uh, 
the work at Fable at uh, Ferguson Dog Park's our big goal here is that we have a, a sustainable long-term location for, as you said, for residents, for restaurants, for all of the above moving forward. So that's really our primary focus here. Um, with the lack of those facilities currently, you know, our hands are kind of tied, but at the same time, we are going to do whatever we can to ensure that residents have a safe spot and a an environmental spot that's that we know that the materials are going to be used to that purpose. And uh, encouraging people to be composting the leaves in their own yards or their own gardening, I guess, is a way to kind of atomize it and decentralize it. No doubt about that. And like I said, doesn't not, require as a, not as a city staff, but as a, a city of Wilmington resident, this has just been a very transformational process for myself. Um, having, you know, less than an acre of land and being able to process, you know, that many leaves and produce that much return in the backside, it's just been eye-opening for me. So I just encourage everyone to try it one season, see what it, how it goes for you. And if you have any questions, by all means, feel free to reach out to me directly. Uh, here at the city, I'm very easy to find, large in at bloomington.in.gov or through the city's website. And we're, we're more than willing to, to help everyone out. This is In Nature. I'm Kaylin Huffman-Brower. This segment of In Nature is about the endangered species, the eastern Massasauga rattlesnake. The eastern Massasauga rattlesnakes are small snakes with thick bodies, heart-shaped heads, and vertical pupils. The average length of an adult is two feet. They're gray or light brown with large, light-edged, chocolate-brown blotches on the back and smaller blotches on the sides. They have a rattle and are poisonous. They live in wet areas. Like all rattlesnakes, they bear live young. They eat small rodents, such as mice and voles. Originally, their habitat extended from central New York and southern Ontario to south-central Illinois and eastern Iowa. Within this large area, the numbers have steadily shrunk. Now, only small, isolated populations remain. The eastern Mississauga rattlesnake has been listed as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Act. People seem to have an innate fear of snakes, especially venomous snakes. They're often killed when they show up near homes, and people go out of their way to kill them. The draining of wetland for farms, roads, and homes has eliminated much of their habitat. Even though they're poisonous, they're actually a secretive docile snake that strikes humans only when it feels threatened. Education about the snake and the role of the eastern Mississauga rattlesnake in the ecosystem will help people feel more comfortable living with this rare creature. You've been listening to In Nature. Report. I am Juliana Daly. And I am Cynthia Roberts. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assault on our air, land, and water. 
We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Do you know how to tie a good knot? You are invited to the Knots and Lashings in the Outdoors Workshop on Sunday, October 8th at the RCA Community Park from noon to 2 p.m. Learn up to six different types of knots and lashings, each with its own unique purpose. Register at bloomington.in.gov slash parks. Join the Big Sit and Wild Game Lunch at Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area on Sunday, October the 8th from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can participate three different ways. First, sit in a 17-square-foot area and count birds. Second, make a wild game dish to share. And third, come and enjoy the day. Join the Monroe Lake Geology Driving Tour at the Paintown State Recreation Area on Monday, October 9th from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Stops will include local bedrock layers, geodes, fossils, faults, and anticline and other interesting features. Bring your own lunch. Register at bit.ly slash 2023-geology-tour. Take an invasive plant hike plus pull and wreath making at Spring Mill State Park on Tuesday, October the 10th from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. You will be pulling invasive vines. Then you will use the vines to make a wreath. Meet at the Tulip Tree Shelter. Help plant native trees to reforest the old field at the Ferguson Dog Park located at 4300 North Stone Mill Road in Bloomington on Saturday, October 14th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. This fall native tree planting will help migrating birds, pollinators, small animals, and native plants. Help make a difference. Register at bloomington.in.gov parks. That wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Juliana Daly. Today's news feature was produced by Zura Rose and edited by Noelle Herhusky-Snyder. 
Juliana Daly assembled the script, which was edited by Zero Rose. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Kate Young and Noel Herhushke-Snyder produced today's show. Brandon Blewett is our engineer. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I am Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report. Thank you for listening. been listening to the eco report a volunteer powered production of community radio wfhb in bloomington indiana available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org eco report is your independent ecologically inspired news source for south central indiana bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear send your comments suggestions and story ideas Directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.